Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for January the 5th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law that I am, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced that checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. This is indeed Liberty Roundtable Live. LibertyRoundtable.com, LovingLiberty.net. Donate liberally. Spread the word. Tell your neighbors. The broadcast is absolutely free. Two hours a day, six days a week. A quick recap of yesterday's show, ladies and gentlemen. We had our guest on Mr. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, RonPaulInstitute.org, doing a phenomenal job. We talked about Lowell updating us from his vacation in Mexico. He said, hey, they're a lot more serious about wearing masks than we are while indoors. But when you get outdoors, it's pretty casual, pretty comfortable. Uh, he also talked about the old-fashioned handshakes and hugs. A blast from the past, or are we going to have them back? And we talked about the importance of human touch. Yeah. Anyway, great vacation for Lowell in Mexico. Then we cranked it right up to kick off 2021 just right with hard-hitting news that I was refused to use. Dixie State University, that's in Utah. Name change recommended to the Utah legislature. We talked about how ill-advised that really is. All right, we talked about a Republican North Carolina congressman, a new elect, if you will. His name is Madison Cawthorn, and he sounded off about the cancel culture. And he said uh, he thinks that it could be the end of our democracy in an interview with the Daily Caller. Now, I disagree it could be the end of our democracy because we don't have a democracy. Pledge allegiance to the flag if you don't believe me. We have a constitutional republic. The Founding Fathers said if you can keep it, and that very talk of a democracy might make it impossible to keep the Constitutional Republic because the people will be so ignorant. They won't be able to hold on to the proper role of limited constitutional government based on the rule of law and God's law. Democracies don't care about God's law, folks. Nevertheless, Mr. Cawthorn is right when it comes to the cancel culture being a problem. We talked about that in relation to Utah, uh, possibly changing the name for Dixie. The state college or state university, because uh, once you do that, you know, you fall into the cancel culture, you lose your history. Once you lose your tie to history, you eventually lose your culture and your country, uh, your society. And the sad part about it is, you know, the Dixie uh, collegiate leaders, whatever you want to call them, are kind of victims as well of the cancel culture because they're saying, we don't really think Dixie is a problem name. We don't really think it has the racist you know, connotations that others are claiming the problem for us is when our students graduate, they're having a tough time getting the job because people see you're from Dixie University and people kind of freak. So we want to change the name to be, you know, kind and beneficial to our students who are seeking employment after graduation. And I get their problem. I also get that if we cater to the cancel culture, 
Uh, if you're not very careful, we'll have nothing left at the end, so be very, very careful. I propose what they do is go on a massive education campaign to teach people the true history of why was the Utah College and then the university named Dixie in the first place. What did it mean? Why do they use it? There's a lot of rich history there. And uh, so we ought to double down and jettison the um, cancel culture. And I believe the Dixie people, if they really dug in and really stood their ground and really um, educated and focused on history, I believe eventually they could prevail. And it would be not only a, a unique thing for going to Dixie, but it would be prestigious. It could be if we were to dig in and do it right. But it's all based on the state legislative body. What kind of a backbone? Uh, do these people have? And time will tell. We will hopefully be able to get more news on this and keep an eye on the ball just for you as the Utah legislative session kicks off later this month. By the way, do you believe in self-determination? That's what this is all about, folks. That's what Dixie was all about. That's what America is all about. Are we going to cancel all that? You ain't seen nothing yet, ladies and gentlemen. The worst is yet to come. That's a column written by Gary D. Barnett. Great column about the cancel culture about COVID, about what are we doing in society? Are we just going to capitulate to everything? Are we going to stand our ground somewhere? Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, his home in Louisville, Kentucky, got vandalized last weekend by spray paint, etc. And Nancy Pelosi's home was also vandalized. Both sides of the aisle getting nailed by extreme. Now, this is what's fascinating to me. Remember how Donald Trump, after the Virginia event, Charlottesville, Virginia, President Trump said, hey, there's there's good people on both sides and there's whacked out extremists on both sides. And he got absolutely slam basted by the media for that. Remember, now you got Mitch McConnell's you know, house and Nancy Pelosi's house both being vandalized literally a day apart. Same weekend. Doesn't that articulate that there's good and bad on both sides? I reject the vandalism of anybody's home. I reject the vandalism and the, the abuse of people and violence and or the destruction of property or the vandalism of property anywhere from anyone to anyone. I reject it. Unequivocally stand against it. But this just proves that President Trump was right. There's bad guys on both sides. And that was our one with Lowell Nelson. Campaignforliberty.org every Monday. He's going to start joining us Mondays and Fridays, I might add. So look forward to that great commentary uh, by Lowell Nelson. CampaignForLiberty.org doing a phenomenal job. Second hour, we had on the good doctor with us, Dr. Scott Bradley. His goal to preserve the nation. His collegiate series to do the same. It's a book and collegiate lecture series and more. A whole homeschool curriculum as well, if you will. You can learn more about it at FreedomsRisingSun.com. He also has weekly webinars at FreedomsRisingSun.com. Great work by the doctor, Dr. Scott Bradley, who joins us Monday, second hour. And he'll start joining us Mondays and Fridays as well. So you can kick off the start of the week with Lowell and Scott or Lowell and the Good Doctor. And you can end the week with Lowell and the Good Doctor, too. We're making some big-time additions to the broadcast. More and more co-hosts, people jumping in with great commentary and content. That's what we're doing on Liberty Roundtable Live. By the way, did you know we're we're in our 25th year of Liberty Roundtable Live? The show had a different name for a while. When we first started out, it was called Your Business, Making Items of Interest to Your Business. Uh, but it was the same show, and we've been on the air live uh, for that long. And you can say, well, Sam, haven't you talked that you've been in the radio business for 25 years plus? Yeah, because we were in radio before we started doing a show that was consistent, right? 
We did uh, shows once in a while and radio commercials and promoted other shows. And, you know, our radio career spans longer than 25 years, uh, even some local radio stuff. Uh, but 25 years of consistent uh, Liberty Roundtable Live or incarnations thereof, if you will. For a little bit, Kurt and Sam were separated because of travel distance. And I hadn't developed my software yet, so I called my show Sam Bushman Live for a little bit. Uh, Kurt did a show at the same time, so it was a little bit separate. Not by choice then, by the way. Uh, but So there's been a few changes along the way. But for the most part, Liberty Roundtable Live, 25 years. All right, we talked about 11 Republican senators led by Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Announced they would object to the certification of states' electoral college votes when Congress meets on January the 6th. When's that, tomorrow? Yeah, Congress should immediately appoint a commission, an electoral commission, with full investigatory and fact-finding authority to get to the bottom of this vote fraud stuff, this vote irregularity stuff, whatever words you want to use, once and for all. Yeah, we need an emergency 10-day audit uh, within the questionable states, these senators say. Vice President Mike Pence's office also released a statement saying that he welcomes Republican lawmakers uh, and their raising of objections uh, on January the 6th, Wednesday, that's tomorrow. He shares the concerns of millions of Americans relating to the vote fraud or voter irregularities that people are documenting everywhere. Um, that's what Pence's chief of staff, Mark Short, said to the newspaper, The Hill. So Pence is on it. 11 senators on it. CIA now mobilizes against Donald Trump. Some are saying Trump may invoke the Insurrection Act. Cliff Kincaid, usasurvival.org, chiming into that. Uh, so that's interesting. Our prayers are that it's peaceful. D.C. surge now prompts closures. Through mid-January, says USA Today. So they're closing things down. They're predicting violence. Everybody's gathering. By the way, we've got some people on the ground ready to report live for Liberty Roundtable, by the way. And uh, I guess there was a 216 to 218 vote. Or, I'm sorry, 216 to 208. My error. 216 to 208 vote. Nancy Pelosi was reelected as the House Speaker. See, nothing changes within the swamp, folks. They just keep doing the same thing they've always done, don't they? We also talked about this incredible story. Government orders Jesus on T-shirt censored as political speech. By the way, Jesus holds no political office and was not on the ballot, writes Bob Unra, WND.com, doing a great job. But there was a lawsuit filed in federal court against the city of Hart, H-A-R-T, Hart, Michigan, after officials there ordered a T-shirt about Jesus, I guess the message was censored. Yeah. The case developed when a lady named Margaret Whitman, I guess she was a uh, poll worker there. She was an election worker. She was relieved of her duties. The case seeks a declaration that, hey, they're violating the Constitution. There you have it. Anyway, serious, serious lawsuit. Our prayers are with Jesus <laughs> and Mrs. Whitman. I'll tell you that right now. Hang tight. Liberty Roundtable Live. I am Sam Bushman. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, 
in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The calm before the storm by a friend of Megagoria. The strategy of heaven revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm, available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio, hard-hitting news. The networks refuse to use always on tap six days a week on the Sabbath. We rest. Isn't that what we're commanded to do, ladies and gentlemen? We try to be obedient to God Almighty, the author of our liberty. We're far from perfect. We're not as obedient as we ought to be, but we sure try hard. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I guess Slack is back. News the networks refuse to use starts now. Slack is back, they say, after starting the new year with an outage. Uh, so if you don't know what Slack is, Slack is a communications tool of modern business, if you will. It's like an instant messenger, but with much, much, much more power. Uh, it just got bought for big, big money uh, by Salesforce. But nevertheless, uh, Slack had a big outage to kick off the year for hours yesterday. All kind of services were down. People were freaking out. Remote workers had to go use other services from Microsoft or Zoom or other video conferencing things or uh, oh, my goodness, people actually had to text and pick up the phone and make phone calls. It was crazy. Um, anyway, that was going on. And uh, Slack doesn't really know why they were down or why they had all the problems. They can't really say. They just know they're going to dig into it and get back to us later on it. But the point is, Slack is back. And it's just interesting to me uh, to note, you know, we get so dependent on these tools. So what does Slack do if you don't know? It's like an instant messaging tool. You can chat back and forth with people via text. You can send pictures and emojis. You can tag different people into conversations. Uh, you can archive things. Slack can connect via integrations to a gazillion other services and do things. Uh, but you can basically communicate with Slack. And it's basically, uh, in many cases, a replaced email and other services. Uh, it's a real-time tool in that you can chat live and communicate with one or many people. 
Uh, they have ta- uh, chat groups and teams and uh, channels and whatever, and you can have different channels for different reasons. And Anyway, it's a very complicated tool. Uh, it's instant messaging on steroids is what it really is because you can, you can make phone calls with it. You can integrate it into other services and things that can transfer to Slack from other services via Zapier. And anyway, I'm getting a little bit more technical than we want, but you can have things go to Slack or from Slack with integrations to other services such as Zendesk uh, and many other tools. So it's a pretty neat tool. There's free versions of Slack. Millions and millions of people use it. There's also paid versions of Slack, which have uh, a lot more features and uh, a lot more retention of messages uh, because there's a there's a different term in communications when it when it comes to corporate worlds and businesses and and governments and such like that they have definitions of communications like transient communications that means that it's 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 sent back and forth real time uh, or uh, maybe even delayed but yet it's not retained okay transient communications are not retained they're not meant to be long-term storable and so when you use these kind of services you got to be aware of that well, if you're using the free version of Slack, then it's kind of transient communications because eventually it scrolls off and you don't really have a record of it. It's not long-term stored. And if you pay for the service, then it becomes more than transient communications. It becomes an archive, a treasure trove. Uh, but Slack has tremendous uh, search capabilities. And anyway, I go on. The reason that I bring all this up and give you some of the details is because we've become so dependent on these tools. It is shocking. When they go down, the whole business world just melts down. So Slack is back after starting the new year with a big outage. And what's interesting to me about that is it was a big outage. I mean, people were literally saying, you know what? I can't go to work. I can't. Might as well just take the day off. Slack's down. It's just like, wow. Folks, we need to become more resilient than that, okay? I mean, I get that Slack's important. I get that it's got a great feature set. I get that it's kind of revolutionized communications and really become the enabler between Slack and Zoom. They've kind of become the enablers of remote work. I get all that, right? I understand. I also understand, though, that you just can't become so dependent on this kind of stuff that you melt down without it. Because I'm telling you right now, as the world gets, what word do I want to use? I want to be careful here, but more perilous, more terroristic minded, more unsafe, more global, more international, more whatever you want to say. You can expect this stuff to increase. They don't even know why they were down, really, or why they were having the outages yet doesn't that scare you when when they don't really know why somebody just took them down what if they take them down for a week instead of a day what if it's a month instead of a week in fact what if they do something that's worse intentionally rather than we're just not sure why what if somebody okay so we need to learn that these tools are wonderful don't get me wrong and and i'm glad for them because look it's this modern internet this modern communications this technology that allows me to broadcast to you via amfm affiliates via the internet live and on-demand radio and more right everywhere right roku channels and and slack and uh, i mean you can listen everywhere did you know there's plugins to slack where you can listen to the radio like i say it's everywhere all right i digress except for i'm pointing out that that this stuff is wonderful don't get me wrong and i use it every day right i'm an it guy for a living but i also get that you cannot become so dependent on these tools that you lack fundamental skills of hey you can pick up the phone and talk to somebody did you know that I know people are like, what? Call somebody? Are you kidding me? I don't want to talk to somebody. Well, that's what I mean. We cannot become that antisocial um, because societal realities are at stake here, folks. You cannot just become antisocial and go through your workday and never talk to somebody physically. 
face-to-face and or um, real-time with, you know, heaven forbid your voice, right? So we got to be very careful not to jettison these um, norms in society so quickly because of these technological advances. Uh, Evolutions in technology, I get it that you're going to have some changes. You're going to replace some normal sentence structure communications with emojis and all this kind of stuff, right? I get all that. But at the same time, you can't just rely on uh, memes for everything. Okay, you've got to communicate, right? So I bring this up because I think it's even deeper than just slack going down, right? Let me give you an example to make the point. And these were, these were early days. These were probably 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, kind of days where a lot of the changes happened. It used to be to where you would use a cash register, but you would have to count out change to people. <laughs> I know. You know, you'd have to basically learn to count, you know, whatever the number was, you would count up back to the amount that they had. If they give you a $20 bill, uh, you know, and it was $5.10, then you would say, okay, look, they gave me 20. So you'd say your bill was five ten. Here's a dime. Here's a nickel. Now that's five twenty five. Here's three quarters. That's $6. Here's $4. That's 10. And here's a, you know, a 10 or two fives. That makes 20. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. And you would count that way back. And it was an easy way, whatever they gave you, all you had to do is count back to the bill that was given to, to make appropriate change. And then we got to where we had credit cards, so you didn't have to make change. And then we got to the point where the system just told you uh, on the screen or whatever how much change you needed to give, and so people kind of forgot to count. And then it got to where, hey, you had to have a digital cash register for the cash tra- drawer to pop open, otherwise it was locked. Well, then when the power went out, you couldn't charge your credit card, and you're you know, drawer wouldn't just pop open with electricity, so you'd have to find some little instrument and press a little button inside somewhere, and boom, the drawer would open. And But yet you couldn't really maintain change for people and because, well, you couldn't charge credit cards, and by golly, the 16-year-old wasn't able to count backwards to count your money back. By golly, we can't even do business now because the power's out, the cash register. We've got to get to where we can learn to be a little bit more resilient in these times, folks. And why do you, you say, Sam, why do you spend so much time on this? From a simple Slack headline? Wow, Sam, you're wasting our time. No, I don't think so. Slack is back after starting the new year with an outage. I think that's critical. I think it's a sign of the times. And I think we better learn for disruptions, whether they be communicational, financial, um, physical, illness, health-related, whatever they be. We better get used to it because I believe there'll be more and more and more of them as we continue uh, along our way into a more connected, global, disruptive world. And uh, I'm telling you this because I think resilience is the key to stability and success. If your people are trained, what do you do at a store when the power goes out? Well, no big deal. You form a line. You take their Federal Reserve notes, their paper money, and you know you do business with people still. And there's ways to do these things. But you got to have your people trained and understand and no panic, no fear. Um, look, this is, we've worked, we've planned for this. When this happens, here's what we do. And you know what? You can put a step-by-step guide together. You can put a, um, when this happens, do this scenario together that can make a big difference. Right? I think we need to get there. Now, I know you'd say, well, Sam, we can't get there. The gas pumps won't work. They're digital and electronic. And Yeah, but you can buy big generators that can, you know, take over in emergency times. You can also say maybe parts of our business won't be operational, but other parts will. You know what? You you may not be able to get gas, but you certainly can fill your you know tires with air. Uh, well, Sam, that's electronic too. Okay, you can't vacuum your car. Okay, that's fine. 
Um, but there's ways to power some of that stuff with generators, etc. But there's also ways, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, run part of your business. You could say, well, hey, a lot of these electronic capabilities that we support are not available, but you know what? You can still buy drinks. You can still buy whatever. Or we can still provide services for you. Uh, we need to learn to become more resilient in these times, and Liberty Roundtable Live will be talking over the next several years more about preparedness, more about solutions, more about hope and appropriate responses when things don't work out as planned. Do you melt down or do you take courage? We submit the Take Courage plan is always the high road. This is indeed the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pry. Both President-elect Joe Biden and President Trump held rallies Monday in the U.S. state of Georgia, where two runoff elections Tuesday will determine whether Republicans or Democrats control power in the U.S. Senate. Your vote tomorrow will decide which party controls the United States Senate. The radical Democrats are trying to capture Georgia's Senate seats so they can wield unchecked, unrestrained, absolute power over every aspect of your lives. Georgia, there's no one in America with more power to make that happen than you, the citizens of Atlanta, the citizens of Georgia. The polls in Georgia will be open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. local time. A correction to yesterday's broadcast, we erroneously reported model actress Tanya Roberts had died. Although gravely ill in a Los Angeles, California hospital, she is still alive. USA Radio News. Here's some great News. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or more importantly, if you sign up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare, and MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing program. It's been around for 25 years. They have more than 400,000 members now around the country. And get this, over the years, MediShare members have shared more than $2 billion of each other's medical bills, so they could help share your needs too. And best of all, you could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is around 500 bucks a month. Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. There's no pressure. They're super easy to talk to. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. The National Football League playoff picture is set for this weekend. USA Radio News' Dan Naraki has the details. The matchups are set for the first weekend of the NFL playoffs. With each conference having an additional team participating, next weekend we'll see six wildcard games. On Saturday, the Indianapolis Colts will take on the Buffalo Bills. The L.A. Rams head to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. And the Washington football team will host Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. On Sunday, the Tennessee Titans welcome the Baltimore Ravens in a rematch from last season's divisional round. The Chicago Bears take on the New Orleans Saints. And the Cleveland Browns will take on the Pittsburgh Steelers in a rematch from their Week 17 game that saw the Browns clinch their first playoff berth in 18 seasons. The Kansas City Chiefs and Green Bay Packers received first-round buys as the top seeds in the AFC and NFC, respectively. From the USA Radio News, Ohio Bureau. I'm Dan Naraki. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo says a New York resident with no known travel history has tested positive for the coronavirus variant. That's more contagious, but not more deadly. This is USA Radio News. 
All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use always on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying to get a hold of Stuart Rhodes uh, so he can be on the radio with us, folks. Uh, but I'm all by myself, as you know, and so it's really hard to sometimes get some of these things done. We're adjusting the best we can. I want to play this vote fraud thing that I made because, you know what, it's really apropos for today and tomorrow when everybody's in Washington, D.C. So let's play this commercial. I'll grab Stuart Rhodes, uh, and we'll be right back here live. Hold on. I'd advise Mr. Trump to stop whining and go try to make his case to get votes. The press has created a rigged system. They even want to try and rig the election. Well, I tell you what, it it helps in Ohio that we got uh, Democrats in charge of the machines. And poisoned the mind of so many of our voters. At the polling booths, where so many cities are corrupt, and voter fraud is all too common. And then they say, oh, there's no voter fraud in our country. I come from Chicago. So, So I want to be honest. It's not as if it's just... Republicans who have monkeyed around with elections in the past, sometimes Democrats have too. You know, whenever people are in power, they're, you know, they have this tendency to try to, you know, tilt things in their direction. There's no one. You start whining before the game's even over. Whenever things are going badly for you and you lose, you start blaming somebody else. And you don't have what it takes to be in this job. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Stuart Rhodes with us, OathKeepers.org. He's live on the ground in D.C. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing fantastic. I played a little vote fraud commercial where Barack Obama's doubling down, saying that Republicans and Democrats both commit vote fraud. Uh, and then Donald Trump's saying they commit fraud. So both sides of the aisle admits to it when they want to. Uh, they're not when they don't want to. Everybody is conjugating in D.C. for this very discussion, sir. That's right. What is it like on the ground? They're predicting violence and trouble everywhere. Well, we're not there yet. I'm actually on my way in, so I'm still outside. Just to be clear on that. But okay. so far, from what I hear from my guys, it's quiet. We were here for the last two big rallies, and I don't expect it to be much different than that unless things go chaotic if the uh, either one of two things happens. One, the mayor of Washington, D.C., tries to, you know, be an idiot and curtail the right of people to, to, for free speech and assembly, or if there is a really bad outcome in the uh, in the Congress and the people have, have just had it. So we'll see what happens. So we, we expect to be about three million strong today. Um, the president will be speaking tomorrow, actually, it's going to be a critical day. So today should be pretty quiet, a lot of big rallies, but then tomorrow is a big day when we find out what's going to happen. I have, a, I have a bad feeling that the, the bad guys don't care what they have to do. They'll violate their own rules in the House, or McConnell, the traitor, will violate their own rules in the Senate and do whatever they have to do to rubber stamp uh, Biden. And so I think what's going to have to happen is President Trump has got to put his Lincoln hat on and invoke the Insurrection Act and uh, do, the, you know, do the data dump and do the declassification and data dump that I've been calling for for about eight months now. That's, that's his only move. That's all he has left. The Supreme Court is full of traitors, uh, two for two, right? So, so the, the system from top to bottom and all the branches has been taken over by enemies foreign and domestic. And that's just the reality. So it's way worse than what Lincoln faced with the Civil War. This is far, far worse. 
So you've got people who are in the back pocket of China, either because they've been bribed, um, like the Bidens, or blackmailed, like Biden's son. So that's all over. And all, all, the, all the agencies and all the branches, the Chinese have spent money to buy these, these soulless politicians who only care about political power and, uh, and money. That's where we're at. They've put in spies. They've slept with powerful people right on up to the top. And now uh, we're being forced to deal with, deal with it. Let me ask you this. Is it possible, Stuart Rhodes, OathKeepers.org, is it possible to have the right thing happen, in other words, to defend the republic, to carry out the constitutional reality, uh, to keep peace, to stop vote fraud, uh, and stop the deep state without violence? Is it possible to do, do you think? Only if President Trump uses his authority as, as the president commander-in-chief, and he should do it now. It's a mistake to wait until tomorrow afternoon when they rubber stamp the nonsense. Like I said, they violate their own rules to do it. You should expect that. Just as the Supreme Court ducked its own original jurisdiction, its own responsibility to hear a case of controversy between states, they, they declined it, even though they have no authority to decline it. So the same thing will happen in, in the U.S. Congress. So President Trump has got to use his powers as commander-in-chief. Look at it like this. The founders made the president the commander-in-chief over the militia and the armed forces for a reason. He swore an oath to support and defend the Constitution for a reason. And there's been the Insurrection Act of 1807 for a reason. All of those are clearly constitutional powers that he must use. And there have been statutes, of course, in the, in the Constitution itself. There's the crime of treason, right? Article 3, Section 3 finds crime of treason is making war on the United States or aiding its enemies. Well, that's what's exactly what's happening. This is unrestricted warfare, what the, what the communist Chinese call it. You can call it fourth-generation or fifth-generation warfare. It's warfare through every other means except conflict. They knew they couldn't, couldn't defeat the United States. Uh-oh. Well, Yep, keep going, sir. We got you. Okay. Yeah, they, they know they could not defeat the United States in open combat, so they switched gears, and for the last couple of decades, they've been undermining and, and subverting us from the inside out. Then you have domestic enemies, you know, the communists, who are more than happy to help, and then you just have the deep state elite who want to rule over us, and they have no problem aligning with the, uh, with the communist Chinese. All right, prediction. Uh, President Trump has been quite hesitant. There's been swirlings about it, but no real uh, efforts by the president. Do you think Trump has the guts to do it? Will he do it? Uh, and do you think there'll be peace? They'll know. I hope. All right, Stewart's traveling. He's breaking up a little bit. Let's see if we can get him back here real quick. Are you still there, sir? All right, shoot, I think we lost him. Are you there, Stuart? All right, we lost Stuart Rhodes. I'm so sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. He's traveling uh, on the way to D.C. now. He's not quite there yet. Uh, but as all the people that he's working with say that it's all quiet on the ground there, that's good news. That's a good sign. He did mention some things about the mayor that are worthy of note, which is, you know what? The mayor cannot do something stupid and add insult to injury here. That would be a big mistake indeed. Uh, and I agree. Now, part of the problem, though, is that I think the mayor is working on some things to curtail the people's rights. Um, you know, they say D.C. is getting shut down. 
if you type in DC shutdown on Google, headline says DC shuts down indoor dining, closes museums. DC will shut down indoor dining. Shut down DC. DC begins a three-week shutdown in indoor dining. Fact check, they say the D.C. mayor did not shut down businesses. D.C. shut down targets conservative organizations. You know, what, what, what do you think will happen? Let me see if I can get Stuart back here now. Let's see about this. Are you there again, Stuart? I am. Sorry Excellent. About that. No problem, sir. Dead, Thank though. you. We know you're traveling. Go right ahead. Continue. Well, I mean, so it was pathetic in a way to not, not in a way, I won't qualify it. It was pathetic to see him campaigning for people who have looked, not lifted a finger. Only now do they say that they'll, they'll vote against or they'll stand up and, and uh, object to the Biden slaves. Only now they've opened their mouths. It's almost Otherwise, like they wanted, it's almost like they wanted to do it in word, not in deed, huh? Exactly. They just want the vote. But here's the thing: is, is the, it's been rigged already. I, I think the Democrats are going to steal it, and these and these Republicans really don't care. McConnell and the rest of them, because they're in the club. But look, look at look at Loeffler, right? Her husband is, is the is the chairman of the of the uh, the New York Stock Exchange. That's exactly the entity that that Chinese professor was bragging about controlling, right? They they have they they control Wall Street. Yeah, they control the people that run the inner circle. And they bragged about this. And Trump's an outsider. And he's there, you know, lauding these people and, and how wonderful her husband is. Her husband's the head of the entity that wants to take him out, you know, in New York, in the New York Stock Exchange. So I think it's just kind of pathetic. I mean, he's campaigning for people who don't care about him and don't care about the country. Hang tight, Stuart. we got a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Stuart Rhodes with us. Oathkeepers.org, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to live coverage of D.C. People are gathering today. Tomorrow's the big event. What's going to happen? Oh, boy. Hang tight. Liberty Roundtable live. for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org.
Yeah, this is David in engineering. So this is your wife in suburbia. Oh, hi, hon. What's up? How's the robot coming? Well, it doesn't exactly respond to requests mm. yet, but I'm... Well, I know how frustrating that can be. You do? Uh-huh. I'm still waiting for my romantic lunch date. Oh, yeah. David. Well, I must not have enough memory uh, allocated. Uh-huh. Sorry. You know, your son said mama today. Really? Uh-huh. Well, we'll have to have that sound chip changed to Dada. Well, you could reprogram it yourself, you know. I know. Hey, why don't we do it over lunch today? Oh, you really are brilliant. Thanks. You want me to bring the robot? David. He can order pasta in 11 languages. Only if he pays for his own lunch. Okay. Oh, don't forget to bring Chip. Uh, I still wish we hadn't named him that. Well, why? It beats general default. Oh. Family. Isn't it about time? Do you know that a baby processes information three times faster than an adult? An adult what? Engineer. Engineer. Funny, funny. <laughs> I'll see you at noon. I can't wait. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Stuart Rhodes with me, OathKeepers.org. He's rolling into D.C. now, traveling there. The events are going on there. Expected to be millions of people. It's going to be out of control for sure. The question is, will it remain peaceful? Our prayers are yes. Our predictions are quite murky at this point. The mayor might get belligerent and start closing everything down. If that happens, it will not be fun because people will not have near the equipment in the cold without food and everything else. All it will do is ratchet up, in my opinion, the troubles Time will tell what Congress will do. Sadly, these senators and others, um, they didn't stand up early and say, hey, we're going to get this done. At the last minute, they said, oh, we're going to protest this. But is it really in word, not in deed? It's kind of the concern and the question. President Trump hasn't made the moves that maybe he needs to make either on this, meaning, hey, releasing the evidence to the people so that we can get behind him more. And uh, right now, it's a pretty murky reality check, isn't it, Stuart? Well, that's exactly the problem. That's, that's my point about campaigning in, in, uh, in Georgia, it's, it's absurd in two ways. One, it's the exact same voting machine, the exact same system that we already know was, was uh, not just unsecure, but used to cheat last time. And they had a witness break right into the current election right there on the floor of their legislature while he was at a hearing. And hacked right in and showed that it could be hacked. He hacked and, it right and, there. And then they so, run around and let the media say there's no evidence. Right. So you so you have a, a, a fraudulent election happening again. What he should what he should do right now, what he should have already done, is put the National Guard on the streets in Georgia and said, We're gonna run this with paper ballots and have an actual clean election. That's what he should do right now. So he's he's letting them steal it again, right from underneath him. At the same time, it's absurd because he's also, the two GOP candidates are themselves um, turncoats, I think. So he's, he's not doing us any good. Do you, do you he's think, not doing himself any good. Do you think that he's deceived on this? Do you think that he just doesn't feel like that he can or he appears too dictatorial? Uh, do you believe that he's just got bad advisors whispering in his ear? What, what do you think is well, going on? I think, I think all of that. I, and this is the thing is, you know, I'm not trying to shoot my own horn, but I called him that he's the Insurrection Act back in the summer. What I said is, you know, and the, and the data dump and all of that, I said he must do this now because he waits until after the election. Then they'll claim that, see, he only is doing this to stay in office. And if he waits until after tomorrow when they rule against him and, and, and certify the, the fraudulent slate for Biden, it'll be even worse. It'll be like, see, he, he's lost. He's lost in the courts. He lost in the, in the actual election. He even lost in the challenges in Congress. And only now is he pulling out the Insurrection Act just to stay in power. They're going to claim he's a dictator. I mean, he, he still has to do it. We have no choice. We're 
inside house, and then we wind up fighting. It's even worse. Well, and it's so better to go on the, the offense. Way to go. It's better to go on the offense as well and control the narrative and discuss things as they really are and release the evidence to to, to uh, document the narrative rather than it is to just play defense all the time. Exactly. That's why he has to do declassification and data dump. He has absolute authority as a president, commander in chief, to declassify anything he wants. They can't stop it. So he needs to do it and then do it like a WikiLeaks style or Snowden style, you know, disclosure to the American people. But when he does it, it's not espionage. It's it's his powers as commander in chief. Once again, the founders knew what they were doing. He has the absolute authority to do this. That's the that is the swamp water. All the secrets, all the secret files that they've held on people. That's how they control them. And if he drains it by by dumping all the skeletons out in the streets, then they have no more power, and the people know exactly who's dirty. You know, who's a pedophile, who's taking money from China, who's been blackmailed. They know exactly. And they'll, they'll be, now they'll be on the defensive. And he'll have the maximum support for the military, the police, and the people themselves to go and clean house and arrest these people and put them on trial. And he needs to have special prosecutors aggressively going out there right now and indicting them. And above all, he should refuse to stand down, and he should schedule a clean a new election nationwide in every state with paper ballots fast as possible. That's what should happen. It should happen precinct by precinct, and we should have actual vote people. It should be transparent, paper ballots, precinct by precinct, and every precinct can have enough people transparently to literally double down and create uh, under penalty of perjury numbers. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, above all, he needs an aggressive attorney general and special prosecutors with him to get this done. All right, they're referring to Oath Keepers as a militia group all over the media. Uh, do you consider Oath Keepers a militia group? Well, not in the sense that we, I believe a legitimate militia is organic to the town and the county. It's the people who live in the town and the county. I will tell you this. I have been actively advising and helping to raise and train militias, real militias across the country. And if Biden somehow gets his decrepit you know, Chicom butt in the White House, that will be what I'll be doing 24-7 all over the country. But we will be in D.C. We're already on the ground in D.C. We'll be there today and tomorrow in force to protect people. We're protecting multiple events that will be at every single one of the events. We're, we're doing PSD details for many of the speakers, including Roger Stone. Um, we will be there through the day and the night to protect all the Trump people that can be there against attack by Antifa. And this will be done before. We'll, we'll do it again this weekend, but this this week. All right. Let me let me bring up why I'm asking the question because uh, a lot of people are afraid of the word militia. They don't understand what a militia is. In modern times, we've perverted and bastardized. Pardon the term, but I don't know how else to explain it. Uh, militia to the point where people don't even know what it is in America now. They're afraid of it and think it's a vigilante crazy group. That's a lie. Uh, militias are part of the constitutional republic and part of the way we became free in the first place. Uh, people need to not be afraid of that reality check, should they? Well, exactly. In fact, the founders told us in, in the Second Amendment that a well-regulated militia is necessary for the security of a free state. You must have it. If you don't have it, you're not going to be secure or free. And that's reality. So we have to get back to the institution. But it's even more important when you're dealing, when you're dealing with a total war by a foreign power that's using domestic puppets that are trampling on the people's rights. And that should sound familiar. That's exactly what the founders dealt with. They had King George, 
oppressing them from overseas, using his puppets. And back then, the, the, the mega international corporation was the East India Company, that one had a special power and privilege in an artificial monopoly that was being enforced by the government that was that was terrorizing the people and, and, and violating their rights. And today we have Facebook and Twitter and Amazon, et cetera. And COVID-19, of course, has been one big massive uh, transition of wealth from the middle America to the big corporations. So that's what we're facing now, very much a parallel to the founding fathers. We have no representation in this government because it's been stolen. Just they had no representation in Parliament. So we are being uh, terrorized, and our rights are being violated without the consent of the government. But our situation, I think, is much more perilous because it's global in nature. Not only is it a domestic threat, but a foreign uh, threat like you wouldn't believe, way more so uh, than in yesteryear. So we certainly are at a crossroads for the hearts and minds and souls of the sacred cause of liberty. That's for sure. Uh, Stuart, we'll catch you soon, my friend, and we'll get an update on what's going on. You bet. I'll be speaking tomorrow, and when I talk, I'll be urging the people to focus on calling on the president to invoke the Insurrection Act now. Right, and we should be doing that now. Don't wait till tomorrow afternoon after the Congress stabs him in the back. Do it now. When and, where will, to do it. when and where will you be speaking, sir? Um, I'll be down on, outside the Capitol. Um, I'm not, not sure exactly of the, of the, of the spot. i got to check and see which one it is. But right there outside the Capitol. And when? Uh, tomorrow afternoon. Not sure what time. All right, we, I'll be speaking both in the morning and the afternoon. We don't know when the final vote will be or what it will be tomorrow either because it depends on how many people protest and what they protest on, on how many hours the debates will be forced, right? Pardon? I, we don't know exactly when they'll be voting tomorrow either because based on them uh, protesting or, or um, challenging the election, then it could take several hours of debate. We don't know how long that'll be, right? That's correct. I mean, so there's, there's one sliver of hope that the states will decertify. We have... Um, that's being done or attempted in Georgia, Arizona, and Pennsylvania. So there's still that potential. If that happens, there'll be a much better chance for um, this to, to, to Trump to prevail in, in the uh, House and Senate because it'll be much more difficult for them to, tr- to try to override the state's clear uh, certification for Trump. That's his best chance. And that's where you get a vote by delegation in the House. The question, becomes, the the question becomes, do the states have the moxie, right? Well, sure. Um, and then, of course, then there's, there's the question of, in the House, yeah, I could see Pelosi, no doubt, using whatever, you know, authority she has or even claiming authority she doesn't have to shut down debate and, and rubber stamp it. The big question is, what will happen in the Senate? And, of course, the leadership is our traitors. But will the, will the senators, the rank-and-file senators, rise up enough to make McConnell back off? Or will he back off because he sees the anger out there outside? capital we'll see we'll see what happens all right my friend we'll have you back soon godspeed all right you too kid. take care Stuart Rhodes everybody doing a phenomenal job as he always does you know what one thing you got to give Stuart Rhodes credit for he's always on the ground always involved putting his uh, own safety on the line for the people they don't roll in uh, and add anger they don't roll in and add uh, escalation they provide peace and de-escalation. The big pitch on OathKeepers.org right now is, hey, we're going to help patriots who want to go to these rallies and be peaceful get to and from their vehicles, to and from uh, the events, to and from their whole job is peacekeeping, protection, 
uh, you know, making sure that, that things don't go off the rails. Because see, these Antifa, these Antifa thugs and these violent people, they like to take advantage of elderly or families or, you know, innocent people trying to, uh, you know, uh, peacefully be involved in things. They love to take advantage of that and just create mayhem and violence and trouble. And, and so the Oath Keeper's role primarily is to, you know, support the police, support the uh, security there and make sure that, you know what, people are treated decent, right, moral. That there's not violence and destruction of property and, and all those kind of things that the typical riot uh, fest brings, right? And so Oath Keepers has a critical role, and they've done uh, this in city after city after city over the last several years. And man, are they doing a phenomenal job at it. Man, are they doing a good work. And they really need your donations, oathkeepers.org. I don't get a penny for it, folks. I'm just telling you. Because they need sleeping bags and, and uh, you know places for hotels and food for the, the people that go there, the Oath Keepers that go there, and volunteer their time put themselves in harm's way for you ladies and gentlemen to try to keep the peace to try to keep uh, things civil and to try to keep things from running off the rails in a in a mayhem cutaway uh, they support the peaceful assembly that the constitution affords and and the goal is to jettison uh what do you want to call it the riots the uh moving into protests that become violent that become destructive of property Protests that mayors and, and governors across the country have been all too willing to step aside and allow to happen, and many times encourage happening. Seattle and Portland and you know, Chicago and some of these places come to mind, right? The Oath Keepers does their very best to make sure that, hey, we remain a peaceful society, that people aren't hurt and harmed. What a blessed job they're doing. Oathkeepers.org. Stuart Rhodes, everybody. Donate today. They need your financial support. When they're on the ground, it isn't cheap. They're volunteering, so they don't want your money to pay everybody. They do need supplies and support. That's without a doubt. Oathkeepers.org. Tell them I sent you. How's that? All right. Thanks for being alongside with the right Stuart Rhodes on your radio. Hour one of the can. Hour two coming up. Amanda, we got hard-hitting talk straight ahead, as always, on Liberty Roundtable Live. LibertyRoundtable.com. LovingLiberty.net are the websites. Donate liberally. Spread the word. Tell your neighbor. Free live and on-demand radio at your fingertips. Six days a week for Liberty Roundtable Live and incredible hosts around the clock at LovingLiberty.net. For Sam Bushman and Stuart Rhodes, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Broadcasting live. From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans, Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for January the 5th in the year of our Lord, 2021. Wow, time flies when you're having fun, huh? Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. People are asking Donald Trump not to concede. Others are saying cave right now. It all depends on who you are, I guess, huh? America seems to be split right on down the middle. The swamp and the Democrats literally saying, hey, capitulate, Donald. Led by, believe it or not, sad to say, <clears throat> Uh, um, Mitt Romney, Utah Senator, they say he's now the face of the Republican Party. Oh, shame. 
Mike Lee uh, seems to be doubling down with Romney. We'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, others are standing tall. There's a few people that are not in the mix that surprised me a little bit. We'll talk about that, too. Wow, but last hour we talked about Slack is back. After starting the year, new year with a massive outage, and we better start to prepare. We then had our guest on, Mr. Stewart Rhodes of Oath Keepers, deploying to D.C. to protect events, speakers, and attendees. On January 5th and 6th, time to stand. Wow. Right? Time to stand, Stewart says. I totally agree. It is time to stand. Right? It's time to stand. Big time, folks. It's time to stand. It's time to make a difference. It's time to get involved. You know, I don't want violence. And I'm not a fan of, of declaring the Insurrection Act. I'm not a fan of bringing the military in at all. But you know what? The question becomes, is there legitimate vote fraud? you got to decide for yourself on that, right? Some say absolutely, without a doubt, the evidence is there 100%. Others say there is no evidence whatsoever. You, my fellow Americans, have to determine what you believe on this. I believe the media has been so destructive and so dishonest that it's very difficult for people to get their handle on what the heck's really going on, right? I mean, I believe it's just like, wow, hard for people to understand, right? It's hard for me to even know how to articulate all this to you folks. It's so dishonest, so fraudulent to where I bring up what I think, and pretty soon I become the attacked, right? Oh, Sam, you're, you're peddling fake news, right? Very difficult discussions for everyone here. But I believe the truth is discernible. And I personally believe the truth is with President Trump for the most part on this. Now you say, well, Sam, what about that phone call? You know what? I don't pretend to know the details of the phone call. But just because he said, I got to find whatever 11 something, 11,000 votes or whatever else, that doesn't mean that it's fraud. All right. It doesn't mean that he mafioso twisted somebody's arm. He could just simply say, look, you don't have to expose the whole fraud, uh, but I just need to, you know, get enough of the information out there to, to show the truth. I just need to find 11,000 votes. See, it depends on the context. It depends on the discussion and the understanding of who. Okay, you say, well, Sam, the whole hour phone call was released. I know. I know. But it reminds me of a cop with a video cam, with a body cam. You know what? You see only one side of it that you want. You don't know other conversations you don't know other scenarios okay so i'm not just buying this oh the president got caught on tape saying this or that or whatever else okay because joe biden joe biden literally said that he's got a the biggest voting machine around well now he got elected you kind of wonder right uh for example listen to joe biden right here to make the point right we have put together i think the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. All right. So, you know, hey, from that, Joe put together the, the organization to commit the fraud, right? See where that all goes? It's just strange. Here's Joe. Come on, man. That's the guy, right? It doesn't matter whether or not they were deprived as a youth. 
It doesn't matter or not whether or not they had no background that enabled them to have to uh, become a, a social uh, become socialized into the fabric of society. It doesn't matter whether or not they're the victims of society. The end result is they're about to knock my mother on the head with a lead pipe, shoot my sister, beat up my wife, take on my sons. So I don't want to ask what made them do this. They must be taken off the street. That's number one. There's a consensus on that. Unless we do something about that cadre of young people, tens of thousands of them, born out of wedlock, without parents, without supervision, without any structure, without any conscience developing, because they literally, I yield myself three more minutes, because they literally have not been socialized, they literally have not had an opportunity. We should focus on them now. If we don't, they will, or a portion of them will, become the predators 15 years from now. And Madam President, we have Hey, are those the predators, Joe Biden, that are gathering in the streets of D.C. right now, ready to commit violence uh, because we want to uh, dig into the election and have a true accounting and auditing of the election results? And Antifa and everybody else is gathering in D.C. Are these the retrobates, reprobates you've been talking about that have kind of germinated over the last 15 years? Is that who we're talking about, Joe? Predators on our streets. Predators on our streets, Antifa. Black Lives Matter, we go on and on. That society has, in fact, in part because of its neglect, created. Again, it does not mean because we created them that we somehow forgive them or do not take them out of society to protect my family and yours from them. They are beyond the pale, many of those people. Beyond the pale. And it's a sad commentary on society. We have no choice but to take them out of society. And the truth is, we don't very well know how to rehabilitate them at that point. That's the sad truth. I'm the guy that said rehabilitation. When it occurs, we don't understand it and notice it. And when we, even when we notice it and we know it occurs, we don't know why. So you cannot make rehabilitation. I can tell you why, and I can tell you how to do it, Joe. Rehabilitation, a condition for release. That's why in our system, there's the federal system, you serve 85% of your time. It's a shame, but we don't know how to rehabilitate. But there is a consensus, and I will cease. A, we must make the streets safer. I don't care why someone is a malfactor in society. I don't care why someone is antisocial. I don't care why they become a sociopath. We have an obligation to cordon them off from the rest of society. But they are in jail. Away from my mother, your husband, our families. There you have it. Joe Biden. Now they're all fixed to take to the streets, the good guys and the bad guys. <laughs> Who are the ones that have committed violence in the past? Extremes on the right and left? Agree, that's what President Trump has been telling you since the um, Charlottesville days, right? I clear my throat to make the point. Yeah, we're talking about extreme people. Right? Extreme people. That's what's going on. All right. <clears throat> we got a lot to cover. But anyway, um, Stuart Rhodes doing a great job. Warning that January 6th will be 
disaster for President Trump if the Insurrection Act is not invoked. Stuart Rhodes says President Trump has a duty to invoke the Insurrection Act. He will be speaking tomorrow saying that very thing. And, um, you know, there's election protests headed for D.C. I don't know how I feel about all that. I really don't. All I can tell you is that it's, it's disaster in America. How have we let it get to this point, folks? Uh, is there a future in America? Yes, there is. Do we need to be very careful how we handle this? Yes, we do. But sadly, well, I should say good news, Chris Stewart joins Burgess Owens, both congressmen from Utah. They will not vote to certify the presidential election results. Good for Chris Stewart. Good for Burgess Owens. Mike Lee, though, recognizes Joe Biden as president-elect. And Mitt Romney urges President Trump to move on. So sad on the senators for Utah. Good on a couple of the congressmen, two out of four at least. Haven't heard from the other two. Now, Senator Romney also calls move by 11 senators to reject electors. He calls it an, an egregious ploy. I don't agree that it's an egregious ploy at all with Romney. The guy's nuts. But in a demonstration of political correctness run amok, you got to hear this, folks. Representative Emanuel Cleaver he is a Democrat of Missouri. This guy literally prayed uh, in the uh, Missouri State Legislative Body. And when he got done, he said, a man and a woman. <laughs> yeah, the 117th Congress, I guess. The guy's a nut. Anyway, there you have it. I don't know really how to respond to all this exactly. Uh, it seems to me that it's just crazy town, huh? The things people are doing, the, the things that are going on just shock me. Uh, even though I think I'm hardened to a lot of this stuff and I've seen it all. And man, when, <laughs> whatever the next shoe falls or whatever, it just gets worse. Lockdowns, remaking of society, it all goes on. And it's all just crazy town, man. I'll tell you that right now. Hang tight. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. Abby Johnson was once director of a Planned Parenthood clinic in Bryan, Texas. After a moral crisis, she quit, and now she campaigns against what she once endorsed. They implement abortion quotas in all of their clinics. What do you mean quotas? You have to perform a certain number of abortions every month. Um, one of the reasons that I left... Are they explicit about that? Yes. It's, it's in your budget, right there on the line item. Uh, one of the reasons I left Planned Parenthood was because uh, in a budget meeting, I was told to double that abortion quota. And for me, as someone who had spoken to the media and had said, you know, we're about reducing the number of abortions, we're about, you right. know, prevention, all of these other services, I was shocked. So since this. you actually worked at a Planned Parenthood, give us some sense of the relative number of abortions. Okay, abortions, Planned Parenthood provides over 330,000 abortions a year. They right. are the largest single abortion provider in our country. Is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character, 
For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. All right, my guest, Patrick Simmons, National Right to Work, ladies and gentlemen, critical in today's society. I'll tell you that right now. You're right to work under assault like nobody's business. Welcome back, Patrick. Thanks, Sam. Good to be back. All right. I, I know this is a little bit off topic, but it is the elephant in the room. Everybody's gathering in D.C. Uh, what, what's your guess? Is it going to be crazy town? Are we going to have peace? Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that, and I, I look out my window right now, I see a huge line of police uh, on motorcycles headed towards the district. So I, I don't know if that has anything to do with today or not. But, um, you know, hopefully uh, the, the protests are peaceful, um, you know, and people can express express themselves peacefully. But uh, I guess maybe I'm, I'm a little cynical about whether that's going to actually take place. Well, we can pray that it happens, no doubt about that. Now, the reason that I bring this up, though, is it's interesting to me how words morph, how words change and mean things. You know, in the... Um, amendments to the Constitution. The First Amendment says we have the right to peacefully assemble. It doesn't say any right to protest. And the reason that I bring this up is when does a right to peacefully assemble versus protest versus uh, peacefully protest versus, well, maybe not so peaceful versus the destruction of property versus turning it into a riot. (laughs) It's only a little bit of violence. I just punched back. You know, what I mean is it becomes a slippery slope, Patrick. Yeah, no, I think I think it's that's that's right, and um, it's uh, I don't know, it's it's very unfortunate that um, that you know it seems like people decide wh- where the where the line is depending on who's the person uh, protesting. I think that's one of the, the really unfortunate things we've seen, especially in the last four years with with most mainstream media, um, and they seem to have different standards depending on on who's the one, uh, you know crossing the line or not crossing the line, that kind of thing. And the reason I bring this up is because, I, you know, we always talk about, oh, protests, because it's an easy thing to say. We always talk about democracy because it's an easy, easy thing to say. First off, we don't have a democracy. We have a constitutional republic, okay? We don't have a democracy. We, uh, we have elements of a democracy in our republic. I get it. We have some, you know, the people's will has some involvement. There's checks and balances. But we don't have a democracy. In fact, we stand against democracy. The founders warned us against a pure democracy. So we have a constitutional republic. We don't have protests, and we shouldn't be advocating for people's right to protest. They don't have a right to protest. They have a right to peacefully assemble, and they have a right for a redress of grievance in the courts. That's not the same thing. The reason that I bring this up is these slippery slope words relate to right to work, too, don't they? Uh, Sure. How do you mean exactly? Well, you know, do I have a right to work or not? Oh, if I don't have a right to work there, I might as well just uh, have myself a universal basic income there and sit in my house and watch Netflix. And, you know, if I don't have a right to work, then that means I have a right not to work, right? Yeah. 
No, yeah, I think, what, yeah, what I, I mean is we can play games with this, but it's it, these are codified words that have legal meanings different from what you and I may think, right? Well, I think that's right, but I think also you see a lot. I mean, I know in the right-to-work context, you see a lot of words that everyone agrees means one thing, but then it, it, it means another thing when, when it, um, you know, is to the benefit of, of, for example, union officials. I mean, it's one of the things we see all the time is, is it's, long-standing law. You cannot be required to be a member of a union. Um, you know, you, you can uh, be a non-member and in, in right-to-work states, that means not paying any money. Um, in, in states without right-to-work laws, you can be forced to pay some fees, but you can't be, be required to be a union member. And yet, in nearly every union contract, there's a maintenance of membership requirement written into it. Uh, and then they go, oh, yeah, but workers should know that even though it says you're required to be a member, um, that doesn't actually mean you're required to be a member. It just means you're required to pay money where you can legally be obligated to do so. Uh, and it's it's this crazy talk where you, you know. So you're going to uh, pay membership benefit- dues even though you're not a member. Right. Even though, but it's, that's not technically legal. It's not legally enforceable, but they put it in there with the purpose of deceiving workers about their rights so they can go, but just look at the contract. You have to you have to be a member and pay dues. That's the requirement. And and unless they find someone like the National Right to Work Foundation or they've you know uh, studied these issues very closely, they're not going to know that the words don't mean what they seem to clearly mean um, in the context of labor law. And it's it's one of the many ways that um, union officials uh, deceive workers about their rights and use this kind of legal trickery. Is I guess a, a good way of describing it. To, uh, to yeah, confuse legal people. dishonesty. I like to use that because mm-hmm. it's clearly not honest, right? Oh, it's yeah, it's 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 deliberately deceptive, and 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 I think you know that that's pretty clear. And yet, uh, and they do it all the time, and and that's why you've got you know the National Right to Work Foundation with 250 cases every year um, because workers learn their rights, and then they go, wait a second, I've been I've been. I've been paying money to this group under false pretenses for years. How do I how do I remedy that? How do I fix that? How do I stop that? Well, and you could go to work there, but I might bust your head if you do. See, and we're really not supposed to have violence. And I bring this up because, hey, I hope we don't have violence today and tomorrow in D.C. But um, the unions could get away with violence, couldn't they? The law would back their violence, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it, there's a specific exemption uh, in federal anti-racketeering and extortion law for union officials, um, and, and I mean, it comes out of a case. It's it's crazy to think about, but uh, you know, you had a, a case where uh, union, as part of a strike, was shooting out transformers um, with a high-powered rifle, uh, and uh, they took it all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, well, because they were trying to get a union contract. That's a legitimate union objective, and therefore that violence isn't actually illegal um, because it was a union doing it. Anyone else was doing that, uh, it would have been a violation of, of federal law. This is a systematic attack, and, and we've seen that used to defend um, actual violence against workers. I mean, there was a case very recently uh, out of Indiana, a uh, brutal, brutal attack by, led by a couple union officials against um, some workers who were not in the union, uh, and they attacked them viciously, uh, beatings, that kind of thing. There were all these arrests, and, and one of the defenses in federal court that the, the union officials raised was this this loophole in federal law uh, that still exists um, because the we you know there's a bill that would close this loophole, but Congress um, so far hasn't uh, hasn't passed it, 
And uh, they tried to raise that as a way of getting off the hook. Now, in this case, it was determined that they were illegitimate union objectives um, as opposed to legitimate ones. But the idea that there's any uh, distinction in the law when it comes to whether it's legal or illegal to you know, physically attack someone, to, to punch them in the face, to, to send them to the hospital um, is, is crazy. And it's, um, it's one of the many uh, injustices that, that exists under current law um, and, and lets unions get away with the type of intimidation tactics and everything else. Because, I mean, it's, you know, those types of threats, those implied threats, oh, well, you know, be shame if something happened to you. If you uh, you know didn't pay your dues, or if you crossed that uh, yeah, it's like that a bad line, fortune cookie at a restaurant. Do not yeah, step and every, outside. Everyone knows what it means, um, <laughs> and it's yeah, it's, right. It's, so uh, this relates though to the party in power and to the people administering these laws too, as you mentioned that words mean things. But you got a, a really a gaping hole that a truck could drive through uh, with this. Meaning, hey, if you get different people in power, they might decide that was a legitimate use of union efforts or force uh, whereas under another administration or another group of people with their guidance would say oh of course not come on let's have common sense here it all depends on whose party's in power and whose agenda's at stake right uh it's yeah certainly part of it i mean you know whether it's the national labor relations board um, the department of labor you know the federal courts i mean who is who's the one making determinations on on what crosses the line or isn't is is critically important there's, there's no question it's it's unfortunate in many ways, but it's it's a reality of uh, the uh, the republic that that we live in. All right now, they they say Joe Biden is just a matter of a shoe in. Others claim opposite. I, I don't want to draw you into that debate, but Biden's trying to already build out a cabinet for the Labor Relations Board and for other support staff that would make some of these decisions, right? Oh yeah, um, definitely. Actually, the Department of Labor is one of the few um, departments he has yet to announce. Uh, who he intends um, to, to to nominate. Uh, now, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, there's a short list. Uh, the mayor of uh, Boston, who's a former union organizer and union official, is, is apparently near the top of the list. Um, there's a commissioner, I think, from California, who's a longtime union, uh, you know, ally out there. So, you know, the, the who it is will be, will be uh, you know, May yet may yet to be determined, but there's no question that um, I mean, the, basically, he's invited union officials into his transition team, and they're having a massive influence in terms of who is selected to run um, all these departments that, that touch on um, any area at all, whether it's education, uh, Department of Education, Department of Health and Human Services. Um, one of the things the Trump administration uh, did do was they passed a rule to stop unions from siphoning out Medicaid money. Um, in violation of the federal statute, and we certainly expect that's going to be something on the chopping block as well. Patrick Simmons, RightToWork.org. Stay there, my friend. Quick pause. Back in a flash, you are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
USA Radio News with Lance Pry. Politics is front and center today. The Georgia Senate runoff elections are going to the polls. The two Senate seats will determine the numerical makeup of lawmakers. Georgia, there's no one in America with more power to make that happen than you, the citizens of Atlanta, the citizens of Georgia. And I have to tell you that the stakes in this election could not be higher. If Republicans win both races, they will control the Senate majority with only 52 seats. If Democrats win both, it'll be a 50-50 Senate. A split would produce a 51-49 GOP majority. The New York Stock Exchange announced late Monday it no longer plans to delist three Chinese companies. In November, President Trump signed the executive order prohibiting American firms and individuals from owning shares in any one of the 31 Chinese companies listed as enabling China's army. After China threatened retaliation for the action, the New York Stock Exchange reversed its decision. USA Radio News. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. The product that you have given me here is, as far as I'm concerned, sent to me from heaven. I love it a great deal. It's hard to find anything that's real nowadays. I enjoy it immensely. It's making my life so much better. I feel so much better. And during this pandemic, I have no worries whatsoever. My immune system has got to be at a top-notch level. I don't seem to get colds or anything. I don't know what getting sick is anymore. This is so cool. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code USA. The stand-your-ground provision in Ohio is now law. USA Radio News Dan Naraki reports. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has signed a stand-your-ground provision into law, making Ohio the 36th state with a measure that doesn't require someone to retreat before acting with lethal force in self-defense. In a statement Monday, DeWine said he signed the bill to clear up an ambiguity in Ohio's self-defense law. Supporters of the measure have praised the signing, saying Ohio's laws now favor the victim instead of the criminal. DeWine had threatened to veto the measure unless the state legislature took up a package of gun laws that he proposed following the August 2019 mass shooting in Dayton that saw 10 people killed. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki. Ohio remains an open carry state, meaning that individuals who legally possess a firearm can openly carry in Ohio with or without a concealed handgun license. Stephen Brandenburg, the Wisconsin hospital employee accused of destroying hundreds of COVID-19 vaccines, says he believes the vaccine could harm people and change their DNA. Grafton police reported as the probable cause. USA Radio News. Patrick Simmons with me, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about unions. They have special privileges codified in the law. Words that mean things to you and I don't mean things to them. You have a right to work in most states. Well, more than half at least. Uh, But what does a right to work mean? If you don't have the right to work in a given state, does that mean you have the right to sit on your butt and get support from the government? That's an interesting lawsuit that ought to happen. Somebody in a not right to work state ought to go and uh, sue and say, if I don't have a right to work, I have the right to sit on my butt and need to pay me to do it. Uh, what do you think of that? Well, that's based on words that you and I might understand, but it's not that way in reality, is it, Patrick? No, right to work. I mean, of course, you know, right now with, with closures and everything, right to work means means something different for a lot of people. But, but we talk about right to work uh, um, in, in terms of uh, union affiliation, the right to work without being forced to, to join or, or fund a, a private organization, which is what a labor union is. 
Um, as we've said many times, we, we think anyone who wants to join a union should be free to do so, but it should never be forced. It should be voluntary. And what's fascinating about this uh, discussion is I, I understand that's what right to work means as well. But I think it's interesting that you would think, at least most people in America would think, of course you have a right to work and you don't have to be forced into a union. That's true everywhere, right? Wrong. That's not true everywhere. And that's really where the rub is, right? Yeah, it's uh, and it's federal law that, that creates this problem, which is why we have a, a federal uh, bill to address it called the National Right to Work Act. Um, but federal law gives union officials uh, the power to have workers fired um, for not joining or, or paying uh, money to, to a union, so dues or fees. Um, however, federal law also says states can pass right-to-work laws to repeal that exemption. So it's this uh, very unusual uh, sort of reverse federalism where federal law applies unless the states go in and um, proactively uh, protect their, their workers um, from this coercion. Uh, but uh, but the National Right to Work Act would just simply take that part out of federal law. And, um, you know, I, I think I, I read that the stimulus passed the other day was the longest bill in, in federal, you know, in, in the history of Congress. Um, we're very proud of the fact the National Right to Work Act is a one-page bill. Um, it, it literally just uh, cites a couple provisions in the law to be repealed. Um, doesn't add any, any, uh, any words to, to the federal statutes. Um, so it's very simple, um, and, and we know it's popular, but of course unions are a huge special interest. They, they spend, uh, we, we estimate, uh, every election cycle uh, around $2 billion, um, mostly taken from workers who would be fired uh, for not paying the money, and uh, that perpetuates these, these powers, and that's why um, even though 8 in 10 Americans back right to work and do believe that, that union affiliation should be voluntary and not forced, um, but yet it's, it's really difficult to, to get these laws through uh, because of all the, the power and influence uh, that this special uh, coercive power um, gives union officials. The elephant in the tent is that Joe Biden will probably take office, like it or not, unless something crazy happens. That's what's slated. And we know that he's not as favorable to right to work as President Trump was. We wish President Trump would have accomplished a lot more on this front, but we're grateful for what he has done. And Joe Biden will be a whole lot more friendly to the unions. We know that. But I bring this up because, believe it or not, uh, in a lot of the states and around the country, there was a lot more conservative surge than people realize. How will that affect this Right to Work Act? Well, the National Right to Work Act, as you say, I mean, it's, it's uh, we know Biden is, is not only opposed to the National Right to Work Act, he, he backs a bill called the PRO Act. Which would it would by federal fiat uh, overturn all 27 existing right to work laws. Um, it's one of the reasons we're watching what happened in the Senate so closely because we you know we need to stop that from getting to his desk because we know he would sign it if it made it there. Um, now, in terms of the states, as you said, uh, right to work uh, supporters did did a lot better in a lot of states, um, and I think we're looking at the possibility. Uh, you know, you can't you don't want to make any any predictions, but. If anything, we might see some new right-to-work uh, laws passed in the next year or two. Um, that would be exciting. And it's it sort of as we build toward, you know, we're at 27 now, we, we, you know, pretty soon you get to a majority of those in Congress um, and in the Senate uh, being uh, from right-to-work states. And suddenly, uh, you know, the, there's they, they see in their own state that the right-to-work is not the end of the world. It's, it's 
It doesn't do all the things unions say it, it, it does. Um, it just simply lets workers choose, and and that is how I think ultimately uh, you build support for the National Right to Work Act in Congress. Um, you you send enough people from right to work states to Washington D.C. Um, who understand right to work is is simply about making this uh, voluntary and and ending this coercive power, um, and and that's how ultimately um, you get uh, you get a right to National Right to Work Act on the the desk of, of a president. Um, and, uh, you know, while, while Biden might not sign it, hopefully the next president would. And I don't know if Biden's going to be the president or not. I know that a lot of people say that it's a shoe in 100 uh, percent. Is national right to work proceeding in certain ways? I know there's court cases pending. I know we talked in the past about, hey, they were holding off to see what's going to happen. What's happening now in this kind of uh, vague time with, one, what unions are doing, two, what the courts are doing regarding this and what right to work is doing? Are we just sitting around sure. waiting, or are we taking action well, with some assumptions? How does it work? Well, you know, on the, the legal side, with the National Right to Work Foundation, it is basically just moving forward. I mean, the, the fact is, you know, the federal courts, um, no matter who takes office uh, or who's, who's the president in, in a few weeks, um, most of, you know, the federal courts are going to be the same, same judges. Um, the, the law applies the same. The First Amendment applies the Janus decision, which is the 2018 uh, Supreme Court case we've won, which says public employees can never be forced uh, to fund a, a uh, government union as a condition of working for their own government. Um, and we've got a, a number of cases, uh, I think a few dozen, on specifically on the Janus issue and enforcing that decision. Um, we've got 150 cases all around the country at the National Labor Relations Board and everywhere else. Um, and, and we are moving full steam ahead on those. Um, the National Labor Relations Board, uh, because of the way it's set up with five-member terms, um, even, uh, you know, if if Biden gets in and, and, and makes appointments to it, there's not going to be uh, vacancies for him to fill uh, to put a, a majority on the board for at least, a, well, at least till August. So we, we've got some time there to do some, some good things, um, you know, irrespective of uh, who's in the White House. And so uh, we're proceeding on, on that. Of course, the National Right to Work Committee. Before you um, go on, is, Patrick, the reason I bring this up is I want people to clearly understand, look, just because it's the holidays, just because there's a little bit of limbo uh, in terms of some some questions, look, we still have the same agenda, which is to be, give people their choice, to not create force. Uh, and, and, and you know what? That standard effort towards that fundamental principle, of agency um, remains the same. And so right to work still has needs for support and financial support. They're still actively involved 100%. This is not a, hey, everybody's hanging out time. They're actively engaged regardless of the mainstream press and, and everybody else. Uh, even though they may not be covering it or dealing with it, you guys certainly are, uh, is the point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you look at... Um the National Right to Work movement, uh, the foundation and the committee, accomplished a lot during uh, the Obama administration. Um, you know, I mean, in many ways, it's the overreach that, that provides opportunities in the courts or, or in state legislatures to, to you know, push for uh, pro-freedom, um, you know, uh, type things. I mean, you had a number of right-to-work laws passed um, when Obama was in the White House, people knew they weren't going to get much maybe through Congress, and they started focusing on the states. And you had states like Michigan and Wisconsin, Indiana, 
states, a lot of states that people thought were, were never, you know, states where you could go and pass a right-to-work law, and, and yet that happened. Um, you look at uh, the Supreme Court. Uh, we had two key Supreme Court victories, one in 2012 and one in 2014, uh, that set the table for our 2018 Janus decision, that, that really laid the legal framework that said, yes, this is a First Amendment issue uh, that union bosses have been given this power to force uh, government employees to subsidize their speech. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, everyone focuses on the White House, and there's some very good reasons for that. But, uh, but you know, you can, you can push for freedom in, in all sorts of different ways, and, and national right to work is going to do that for worker freedom um, no, matter, no matter what. And the point is it's our job to let you know about it and get you involved in it, right, Patrick? Absolutely. Absolutely. People can, can of course, check out our website, uh, righttowork.org. Um, NRTWC is the National Right to Work Committees, um, nrtwc.org. Uh, and find us there. You'll, you'll find all the information, um, what's going on in the states, what's going on in our court cases, uh, news that uh, a lot of outlets um, don't cover their you know, uh, caught up in other matters, but these are important things um, in, in real Americans standing up and defending their rights against coercive unionism, um, and that's uh, something we're so proud to, to work for every day. Ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Simmons, everyone, working in the trenches, we got to make sure you're aware of what good is happening. Even though it seems like all is lost, don't believe it. There's a lot of good things going on, a lot of people involved in great things. Take courage and get involved, righttowork.org. Patrick, Godspeed. We'll talk soon, sir. Thank you, Sam. There he goes, doing a phenomenal job. As always, we're grateful for their hard work. Don't forget it happens, folks. They need your support all the time. Righttowork.org. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads. A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com to begin that restoration. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way. But actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. 
Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Hey, a quick update from our buddy Mark Mix at RightToWork.org. He works with Patrick Simmons and crew, and he writes uh, an email that says, The hour is dark. And then he talks about the hour was dark for George Washington and team, but you know what? They prevailed. Right? America, victory was behind, but victory leapt ahead. So it is with right to work. So it is with our battle to end the injustices of compulsory unionism. You and I have hammered the union bosses in state courts, in federal courts, and the United States Supreme Court even. With nearly 80% of Americans voting to reject compulsory unionism, big labor sees its power slipping away. Today, right now, your national Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation is fighting on all fronts with victory within reach. The hour is dark, but that's why I'm counting on you today. Anyway, Mark Mick's doing a great job highlighting that, you know what? This is going on. These battles are real. And I know we get laser-like focused on the presidential discussion or laser-like focused on what's happening, uh, you know, whatever the media covers or whatever. It's so easy to fall into that you got to only cover that stuff. But you know what? There's a lot going on elsewhere that you need to be aware of, right? Chris Stewart, Burgess Owens, both of Utah will not support the election. They will not vote to certify the election, right? Patrick Simmons, righttowork.org, doing a great job. Please support the National Right to Work Act. Believe it or not, it's a single-page bill. Wow. Reject the PRO Act. Are you aware of those things? The PRO Act would force unionism everywhere, folks. Okay, we've got to understand these things. We've got to be cognizant of what's going on beyond just the mainstream discussions of two or three bullet points. By the way, Joe Biden cancels inauguration parade. Joe won't get a traditional inauguration parade down Pennsylvania Avenue after they say he takes the oath of office. But he will get a presidential escort to the White House. Did you hear about that? I find that interesting. Right? Anyway, very strange stuff. Um, you know, I don't know why they're already counting on Joe this and Joe that. It's not a done deal yet. Right? <clears throat> wow. All right. We thought we'd bring that to your attention. Uh, in a demonstration, we mentioned this slightly last hour, but I'll get into it a little bit more now. In a demonstration of political correctness, it was run amok, to say the least. Representative Emanuel Cleaver, Democrat of Missouri, offered the opening prayer of the 117th Congress. On Sunday. Now, why they're meeting on Sunday is a sad tale to tell already. They ought to keep the Sabbath day holy and stay home with their families. But nevertheless, they met. This whacked out liberal prayed. And at the end of his prayer, he said, Amen and a woman. Yeah, Amen and a woman. I don't know why he would say Amen and a woman. He would say Amen and a what? Women? And a women? Is what he ought to say? I don't really get it. You got plural men and singular women. But that's if that's what it even stands for, right? 
All right, I don't know how to even respond to that, uh, except to say, do they even understand what amen means? It doesn't have anything to do with a man or men, as in men and women. Amen means I agree, or let it be so, All right? When, when somebody gives a prayer at the end and you, you say amen, you're giving assent. You're saying I agree, let it be so, right on. Uh, but this whacked out person, and so you got these politically correct people that are so ignorant of what's going on, and these people literally are legislative people. These people <laughs> have literally authority over you in a legislative capacity. Isn't that scary as all get out? Doesn't that just make you go, whoa, holy moly, what on earth? You know, <laughs> it scares the heck out of me. Big time, right? All right. Anyway, we uh, brought that to your attention. What a, what a shame that is. All right. Larry Clayman. This is an interesting story, in my opinion. Larry Clayman. Right. He's with uh, Freedom Watch. He used to be with Judicial Watch. He's the founder of Judicial Watch. Then he left and Tom Fitton and others are taking Judicial Watch. Larry Clayman with Freedom Watch now. Larry Clayman, quote, I will sue the communist news network. CNN until it is put out of business. A vile piece of trash, he calls them. You know, it's hard for me to argue. <laughs> it's kind of hard to argue against that, isn't it? I mean, it is whacked out what's going on. All right, did you hear the federal government reduced, or I'm sorry, released new dietary guidelines? For Americans of all ages, the government rejected scientists and their recommendations to lower the amount of sugar and alcohol consumed in a day. They call it the five-year guidelines. Have you heard of this? The five-year guidelines issued by the U.S. Department, Departments of Agriculture and Health and Human Services retain earlier recommendations to uh, decrease sugar and everything else. But scientists said we ought to have even less alcohol and sugar in our diets. Right? I don't know why they rejected the scientists. Anyway, it's very interesting how they talk about how much sugars. They say you should have like 12 teaspoons of added sugars, but a single soda pop has like uh, double that or more, triple that, quadruple sometimes or whatever else. But why would the federal government on Tuesday, or, you know, a couple of weeks ago Tuesday, um, release these guidelines and ignore science? It rejected scientists' recommendations to lower the amount of uh, suggested alcohol and sugar in your diet in a day. So here's what I find fascinating. The government wants to attack President Trump for supposedly ignoring science on COVID, masks, etc. Uh, and now we get a situation where these government officials are just rejecting scientists' recommendations to lower sugar recommendations and alcohol recommendations in your diet. How come? How come? So you got Clayman wanting to sue the Communist Network out of existence, CNN. Larry Clayman, you got the federal government ignoring scientific guidelines. 
you've got this uh, run amok legislator saying amen and a woman at the end of a prayer. You got Biden canceling the inauguration parade. <laughs> you got Sam and Patrick promoting your right to work and agency in your choices. You got Romney, whacked out Romney, uh, saying, hey, it's an egregious ploy to um, move by 11 senators to reject the, um, I don't know what you call it, reject the legislative reality, right? So there you have that. Um, anyway, all kinds of things are going on in the news. I'll tell you that right now. And I'm all by myself doing my very best. We got a caller. You're live on Liberty Roundtable. Oh, now they bailed. All right, there you have it. So there's so much going on in the news, it's hard to kind of get a handle on. But the Utah legislative session is coming up. And I wanted to bring this to your attention as well. The Utah legislative session is coming up in January here. Um, I can't remember what it is, a 60-day session, a 45-day session. It's hard for me to remember exactly what it is. But it's, it's fairly short, but it's really, really hostile when it occurs. Because, you know, 500 to 1,000 bills just fly fast and furious, right? But there's a cool item being brought up right now for the Utah legislative session that I wanted to finish on and bring to your attention. Headline says, should Utah get rid of Concealed carry permits? Uh, that depends on what you replace it with, right? Right. There's a representative by the name of Walt Brooks of St. George, Utah. He thinks we should get rid of concealed carry permits. He does not agree with the law. HB60 will make Utah the next constitutional carry state if he gets his way. Boy, howdy, do I support Walt Brooks of St. George. He's right as rain. We need that, right? We need that big time. So I'm hoping that Utah can double down. There's already a lot of states in the union. I can't remember how many, but it's like 17 or something like that. They already have constitutional carry. You say, well, what is constitutional carry? It means you don't have to have a permit. To carry a gun concealed, it just means, hey, your God-given inalienable right allows for that. The Second Amendment codifies it, and that's the reality. They've tried to get this done before, and Governor Gary Herbert rejected it, and fa it failed. But you know what? Now we've got Spencer Cox as governor for the state of Utah. Many say he'll be worse than Herbert. I don't know about that. Time will tell. Uh, right now, though, hopefully he will back a constitutional carry uh, in the state of Utah. And we can add more weight to this idea that government has no business restricting your right to keep and bear arms. Zero. That's something we really need to kind of highlight and focus on. Uh, that's for sure. Anyway, should Utah get rid of concealed carry permits and replace it with a constitutional carry? Walt Brooks says yes from St. George, and he's put a bill together in Utah to make that happen. Just so you remember, it's called HB 60. What, House Bill 60, I guess. HB 60. So be aware of that. Final story of the hour as well. Asian parents are now revolting. Over end of what they call meritocracy in California. They say, first, you blame white people. Now you blame us, meaning the Asians. Yeah, that's right. Anybody who's prospering and doing well gets the blame, don't you understand? My Asian brothers and sisters, they attack the whites because we're doing well and prosperous. Now Asians are some of the smartest people in the collegiate world because they study so hard. 
uh, and their minds are bright, and they've had generations of incredible discipline, uh, and, and now they're being attacked, and they're being unfairly discriminated against in a reverse discrimination reality. So now the Asians are, ser- the Asians are seriously angry uh, about this, and I say justly so. Justly so. So we bring that to your attention. It's kind of the final story of the hour. I also want to say to you all, ladies and gentlemen, that we need your financial support. We need your financial support to carry on our work like nobody's business. It is expensive to make radio happen. Not only does it take a lot of time, I don't mind dedicating my time. But when it takes a lot of money, it's very, very difficult to carry on single-handed. I mean, if you dedicate a lot of time and a lot of money to something, it gets very, very difficult. Um, Some would say cost prohibitive. Uh, Fast. There's no doubt about that. That's why we need your financial support. Last headline really quick that I just got. D.C. Mayor unleashes plans to crush Trump rally. Well, all I'm telling you is if they do that, it will get rowdy faster than you can imagine. I pray he doesn't do that. I pray for peace in this great country of ours, ladies and gentlemen. I pray for God Almighty to protect us. And I'll do my best to advocate for God, family, and country. And to protect life, liberty, and property. And to turn people back to the Savior, Jesus Christ, the author of our liberty. That's where real solutions are found. It is within the God, family, and country sphere. The proper role of limited constitutional government. We are a republic, folks. Thanks for being alongside. I declare we the people, along with the grace of the Almighty, we can and will restore America. Will you help? LovingLiberty.net. God save the republic.